Let us pray. Lord, we come before you as your children, seeking your face in this space, recognizing your holy presence, yearning to hear your voice to give direction for our life, trusting in your word as many who've gone before us have trusted too. So Lord, help us not only to hear you, but to heed your voice. To know, Lord, that our response perhaps helps others to hear and then heed your voice too. So Lord, set me aside. In your name I pray. Amen. So today we make that transition. That transition from hearing God's voice to heeding God's voice. You heard Jocelyn share the definition of what it means to heed, to pay attention to, to give consideration of, to mind. As we began to transition from that hearing to heeding, we, call, we recall where we have been and the journey that we have been on with many in the Old Testament. Remember Moses that he heard God's voice in the burning bush and then he heeded God's voice by leading the people out of Egypt and also heeded God's voice by building the temple or sanctuary in the desert and their journey that God may be with them. And then we heard about Elijah, Elijah who was running for his life and he heard God's voice on a mountaintop, his still small voice and he heard the assurance that God was with him and he heeded God's voice by continuing to share a message to the Israelites to offer them an opportunity to turn back to God. And then Samuel, remember Samuel as a child was dedicated to God to the temple and raised up in the temple but he didn't know God and he heard God's voice actually more than once did he hear God's voice and after a couple times he finally realized that it was God speaking to him. And he heeded God's voice by also being a prophet. A prophet who began to unite all of the people together under one ruler. And then Isaiah. Isaiah last week that heard God's voice in a dream, in a vision. Where God's, the hem of his robe filled the temple. We saw the holiness of God. And we hear Isaiah's message. One that he spent 40 years delivering, convicting people of their sin, but offering redemption, of which he knew that they would not turn to God, but he gave and persevered for 40 years anyway. So today we get to Gideon. Gideon in the Old Testament. If, if you think of Gideon or heard his name, what comes to mind? The Bibles. And what about the story of Gideon? you know who he was? From Judges. He was a judge, he was a prophet, and he was a military leader. So as we read from the book of Judges, remember the pattern that we've seen that, that there's an encounter with God, there's a call or a commissioning that God gives, there's some kind of objection, and there's often a ritual that takes place together through this. So turn to the book of Judges. It's in the Old Testament. It's the seventh book of the Bible. It's just past the five books that we know, then Joshua, and then Judges. 
Look at Judges chapter 6. In your pew Bibles, the devices you brought online, I hope you'll look at your scriptures too this morning as we share together. Judges chapter 6, and I'm going to begin at verses 1 and 2. So before we get to Gideon, it's important for us to recall and recognize what's Israel going through? What's Israel facing? What's it like in Israel these days? So here, as we begin in Judges chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did what was evil in sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed over Israel, and because of Midian, the Israelites provided for themselves hiding places in the mountain caves and strongholds. Now skip to verse 6 as we continue. Thus Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I said to you, I am the Lord your God, you should not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not given heed to my voice. Hear that again. But you have not given heed to my voice. So what's going on in Israel? They've done the very thing that God has asked them not to do. By paying attention to the idols and not following God. So what does God do? Often throughout the scripture, he begins to call someone to speak to the people, that judgment, that prophet who shares a message. So now we begin to hear the call of Gideon, beginning in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazarite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. And so let me kind of go through the rest of the chapter and referring to specific verses. So keep your Bibles open and follow. In verse 17, Gideon begins to ask for a sign. So he goes and he prepares an offering. And we see down in verse 21 that that offering is consumed by the angel and the presence of the Lord. And then in verse 24, Gideon begins to build an altar in this place in which he's experienced the presence of God. And in verse 25, he see what he does. After doing that, 
he pulls down the altar to Baal, this false idol, this false representation of a little G God that the people have been worshiping. And he knocks down the pole. Well, as you read on, we see that the people don't like this. They're not very happy of what Gideon has done. And so in verse 30, they want to get him that they may kill him. But Joash, who is Gideon's father, begins to say, If Baal's really a god, then why don't you let Baal contend for himself and respond to Gideon? So they don't hurt Gideon. In verse 33, we begin to see the enemies that are gathered. The enemies to the Israelites that are about to attack. As we see the Amalekites and the Midianites come together. And then in verse 34, we see that Gideon begins to gather the troops to protect and fight for Israel. So let me pick back up at verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet. And the Bezerites were called out to follow him. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, to life. And they went up to meet them. And then comes the fleece. If we know one story about Gideon, often it's that story about the fleece. And here is that story. Verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, In order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, I am going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand. And you have said, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me. Let me speak one more time. Let Please make trial with the fleece just once more. Let it be dry only on the fleece, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and all the ground there was dew. So we recount Gideon's encounter with God. We hear his actual commission from God to represent and be the mighty warrior for the people. We see his objections that he's the weakest link in the family and the, the weakest tribe among the clan together. But let me take us back to verse 10. Look back at verse 10. You shall not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not given heed to my voice. Again, this brings us to the crux of the chapter and the, the mission that Gideon has to bring the people back to God. Interesting, as you look at verses 6 and 7, we see that God heard their voice meaning the voice of the Israelites as they cried out, as they were whining, as they were complaining, as they wanted to be rescued. And God sends one to rescue them. But the Israelites have not heeded God's voice and have continued to worship these false gods through idols together. So why should Gideon heed God's call? Why should we heed God's call? It's all about relationship. I hope you've heard that in our time with Moses and time with Elijah and time with Samuel and time with Isaiah and now and this with Gideon. It's all about our relationship with God. 
How do we get to form that relationship? How do we build that relationship? We spend time with each other in that relationship. And in spending time in hearing and listening and responding together, we develop a trust among each other. Why heed God's call? Because of a relationship. And in spending time with God, we begin to understand God and understand who He has made us to be and called us to be. We get to know Him. In order for that relationship to become a priority, we have to let go of our fleshly desires. And if we don't, we'll begin to make the same mistakes that Israel made. What was their mistake? Of building up idols, of focusing on the idols instead of focusing on God himself. What gods are we paying reference to in this land in which we live? What idols are we focusing on that distract us from focusing on God himself and the kingdom that he's called us to live and be a part and make a reality? What gods are we paying reference to in this land in which we live? To heed God's voice is to pay attention to, to make consideration of, to, to mind. How do we heed God's voice? I think that's where stewardship comes in. Stewardship is the practical expression of our faith. It's how we respond to God. It, it's how we show, prove, witness to the relationship that's a priority in our life, in our home, in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces. Through the church, we offer uh, questions that we ask people when they join, and many of you have responded to those questions. Will you support the church and the ministries and the mission of the church through your prayers, through your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Will we seek to pray for the church and Pray for each other, even more importantly. Will we seek to be present? Present in the fellowships, present in the witness, present for each other when we need a reminder of who God is. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts. God gives us gifts. Sure, there's financial gifts in which we offer a blessing and remember the author of those gifts in the first place, but there's the intangible gifts or the, the gifts in which we have talents that we can also share, perhaps in the church, perhaps outside the church. The service becomes like those gifts that we offer what we've been given to give an opportunity for others to also witness, benefit the blessing that God has in store. And then witness. This word was added about 20 years ago or 25, I can't remember exactly when it was added, that it didn't used to be part of the, rec the beginning of the membership in the church. But how important does the witness become? Because it's through these acts that we begin to witness to the one who created us, gave us the blessings, and offered them to others to be a witness for Christ.
in the world in which we live. This year, our stewardship response reflects that. It's a more wholesome response. If you've seen the card or look at the questions on the back of the card, I encourage you to look at it. It's, it's, yes, we're asking a financial pledge. That's how we carry out the mission and ministries of the church. But we're also asking us to reflect on how we're going to pray for the church, how we're going to be present in the church, how we're going to offer our gifts and our service and our time. It's not about building the church. It's about building the kingdom. The church just becomes a vessel in which that happens together. The story of Gideon is a great story. It's a story perhaps that we remember the fleece. We remember the first part of Gideon that here was this timid person who asked God a lot of questions and needed a little confidence boost in order to go from a, a timid leader to a faithful leader. And he does become that faithful leader. But unfortunately, in Gideon's life, he turns. He turns because of the, the tug of war in his life between divided loyalties. He turns because the temptations are just too great. As the story goes on, and you can read chapter 7 and 8 and, and on, that we see that Gideon, from a military point of view, no longer rests upon God's direction, but rests on his own skill and his own decisions. And we know what happens when that, when that turns out. And then from a religious point of view, Gideon begins to build an idol with his own hands that then leads the people away from God. He pulled down the idols of others only to build up an idol himself. I think when it comes to stewardship for us, we often face those same temptations and those same divided loyalties. Is it my money or God's money? Do I pay tithe from before tax or after tax? Or do I just give God whatever I have left over if I have any? We began to see what priorities we have in our life, in our family. But do we recognize the author of those blessings in the first place? I think part of hearing God's voice is repentance. Recognizing, Lord, hey, perhaps we've put ourselves. We've built ourselves an idol. We've, we've built our fleshly needs as an idol. And we have forgotten to listen to hear God's voice to build his kingdom first. I think there's no doubt in my mind that we look around at the blessings that we've received that I know, Emmanuel, this church has received. How do we respond to those blessings that we've been given? How do we heed God's voice to perhaps, not just perhaps, how do we heed God's voice 
to make a priority of building his kingdom. Again, the mission and ministry of the church is only a vessel to making that reality for all of us. Stewardship is the practice expression of our faith. Recognizing where those gifts have come from in the first place and being willing to offer those to others. I invite you to join what God's already doing. I invite you to join the difference that God seeks to make in our lives, in our community, so that others might hear his voice and be given an opportunity to respond accordingly. John 10.4 says, And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. I think we know God's voice. Are we listening? And are we willing to respond? That's the invitation that you're given in these weeks ahead. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for those who've gone before us. For these stories of Moses and Elijah and Samuel and Isaiah and Gideon. For those that we can name in our heart, Lord, by name, who in the life of this church or in the life of ministry or in some capacity have taught us who you are, have shown us who you are, have been a witness to your goodness and to your blessing and to your direction. Thank you for the children, Lord, as we're reminded of your word that uh, though it may be old, Lord, it offers us relevant directions in our own life. So, Lord, help us. Help us to walk that path. Help us to trust you. Help us to listen to you. And in so listening, Lord, that with joy we respond to who you've called us to be. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.